The Boiled Sports Handsome Hour is sponsored by Martin Vintage and AJ's. Visit martinvintage.com for an excellent selection of Purdue t-shirts. Enter Boiled at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. And if you're hungry, head on over to AJ's on Vine Street in West Lafayette. Founded by a couple of Purdue alums, you'll love their new location, burgers, beer selection, and sit-down classy atmosphere. In fact, just wear your Martin Vintage shirt to AJ's and you're good. Then we could then we could uh, do the questions, and we could probably do like five minutes on the two topics, and then questions for the, the rest of the thirty five minutes. Why or did something. I just blank on the QB? Austin Burton, Austin or Austin Burton? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Austin Burton. Welcome to the Boiled Sports Handsome Hour, where we are sitting right where you left us a month ago after the last Handsome Hour. And so are you. And so is everyone else. Nobody's moved. It's okay. But we're here. We're here to entertain you. Um, uh, that's, that's the goal. And for those of you who did not uh, stop by the Instagram Live that we did on Thursday night, uh, your loss. There were a lot of... It was magic. A lot of things were revealed that you didn't know, a lot of behind-the-scenes information um uh alcoholism there were a lot of things that were revealed um and um there we think we had uh two two to four listeners uh, watchers um, i think we had a max of five nice, nice. really good. clearly people are clamoring which is that's like four or five times the uh listenership to the podcast i think so that's yeah. good that's well good. I, I told you my dad listens right Right. That's it. That's mom, thanks for watching. Mom, thank you. My mom never watches or listens, but my dad will tell her what happened and then she'll try to act like she watched or listened, which is hilarious. <clears throat> yes. I'll just ask her like one little, you know, off the path thing and she has no idea what I'm talking about. It's great. Right. right. Uh, yeah. But can't even get support from my mom. That's sad. But my dad, though, every time he has a smart aleck, usually mean spirited comment about, I, I told you his, his, his critique on the show is, the handsome hour is neither an hour nor the hosts are handsome. <laughs> Your dad really, really is a little bit cutting. He's kind yeah, it of, the cutting. humor borders on mean. Yeah. He's, Maybe he's, it doesn't board. Maybe it goes over the border. It's on me. Love him well, one him. of my favorite Love dad him. stories, which I don't know if we ever told on the handsome hour, was... You were refereeing. There's two sports related ones that I love. One, you're refereeing basketball, and he walks into the gym. So nobody knows there's a connection. He walks into the gym and just starts booing you. Boo, ref, bad call. Oh, you weren't so... in position. And, and people are hard, like, it's hard to do things when you're getting booed. I mean, by one person in a, it was like probably 100, 150 people in the gym. It's one of those gyms where there's just a line of chairs around. Yeah, same with ours. Yep, yep. You know, same. and he walks in. It was a crowded Saturday where, you know, the games are stacked. Mm-hmm. And he walks in the door and just starts going, boo, this official's horrible. Boo. And he's like five feet away from me as he walks on the baseline, right? <laughs> right. Great. Close enough and to reach I am out. horrible. In his defense, I'm really bad at officiating. Well, and then the other one was. We've both been through this when you do coach pitch in baseball and you have to pitch to your own kids and sometimes you strike them out. And you told me a story that you walked off the field and your dad just kind of looked at you and said, 
Had your good stuff today, huh? <laughs> well, he Crushing. didn't like close. Like I was right by the fence. He said it like 15 feet away through a fence, so other people could hear it. <laughs> good job, pitch. <laughs> yeah, and the greatest thing—I mean, you know—the kids are like what between a foot and a half and two feet. The tall. strike zone's about eight <laughs> inches. It's softball. It's the size guys, of like, a softball. Yeah, you got to throw a baseball through a softball size. It's like hole. darts. You have to just. Oh, it's difficult. It's, it's difficult. really hard with the little kids. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the coach that I used to do that with, we would always try to set it up so we weren't pitching the inning. Our kid was coming up. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to strike out your own kid because then he will never yeah. forgive you. It's awful. Yep. Yep. Anyway, uh, after that little diversion, we're going to try to it, it stay on uh, a clock today. Um, Friday done a good we're job. really good at that. I don't see why that's going to be an issue. It's never been an issue before. Nope. We're going to hit a handful of topics and we're going to come back at you next week with another new episode. So get excited. By the way, I just have to say, you, you I think, saw in the mentions um, uh, that there was a woman who said she's heard so many handsome hours that uh, she hears the tweets in my voice now. I don't know if you saw that. Really? Yeah. yeah. She said, I could hear the way, she said, I listen to enough handsome hours that I heard that tweet in your voice. Did, does she know that you, did you tweet it is the question. Was that, did, did you? It was from mine. It was from my personal. It was oh, okay, okay. You were in, the, it was BS and I mean, and someone else in the thread and I replied and she said, I know, I, I heard that in your wow. voice because wow. I, said, oh, it's, uh, I could do a little personal reading if you'd like for, <laughs> you've got, you've for, got to drift off to sleep. You know, I could just read a, you know, a manual or something. Well, mine, she'd say, well, hey, look at that. hey, tweeting the Twitter phones. Like, it's allergy right. season here in the boiler outhouse, as it always is. It's only it's only three quarters of the year, so I hope she doesn't hear it in my voice. That'd be sad. That'd be a punishing thing for her. So we're going to jump right into our first topic of the day. Uh, we've got a bunch of reader submissions, and we'll 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 play this clock uh, a little bit by ear. We'll do maybe some today. If we if we don't feel we have time, we will dedicate an episode to them. We'll figure something out. But first, we got to hit on a couple of the biggest. I think we should spend a few minutes on Harms. Spend a yep. few minutes on Austin Burton. Burton Austin. We were discussing before the show. His name would Great. work fine either way. Um, um, so let's start with Harms because I think that's the thing people are most uh, amped up about. Um, you know, it caught, you know, the thing we kind of discussed, I'll, I'll give a little bit of the insight into what we were discussing behind the BS walls, because I won't, I won't talk about everything we discussed, but we, we kind of thought it was odd that the whole staff seemed caught completely off guard, right? We could understand a guy thinking my playing time is decreasing. Trayvon Williams is getting better. You know, if, if you're analyzing the team, you could see where someone might say, Hmm, my minutes might not be what I want them to be, but. I guess my my issue with that is, and it's all speculation at this point, but like, why wouldn't you address it with Painter? Why wouldn't you say, hey, here's what I'm thinking? Because I think Painter is the kind of guy who will say to you, he'll give you the straight truth, right? And he's yeah. told guys to go pro. He yeah. said, you, you know, you should probably go. Like, he's not the kind of guy, he's not, he's not, who's, he's not the Bayheim who's going to like trash a guy and say, no, right. he stinks, oh, he's no good. Like, he's going to say to you, yeah, I mean, I got to be honest, man, you're going to have to earn your minutes next year. I could see Painter saying that. And being honest with him, and Harms then saying, "Okay, then I got to explore my options." But he didn't do that. He just caught well, them all off guard and said, "I'm transferring." Yep. So, beat out your thoughts. I, I I think that there's just I think this one is a major confluence of factors. I keep saying that that you have a guy that came into the season believing things were going to be one way, and everyone believed they would be differently, it'd go differently as a team. Uh, so the the first part is the team part didn't go as well as we thought it would. 
Obviously, 16 wins is not what anybody thought coming in. Um, I think everybody, everybody down to a person, thought Harms would be more productive this season. He would, he would, you know, be better than he was last year. I don't think he thought he would have an injury that that hurt him for a couple weeks at minimum, right? right? I think all these things, and then you know, there's there's other parts that are off the court that are super intriguing. I don't know the full stories, but I would say there are things off the court that I'm not talking about the rumor stuff on Twitter. I'm talking about there's just other stuff around this. Him getting stranded on campus where nobody else is around, right? That That's really rough. That's just psychologically tough on a kid. Mm-hmm. He's 23 years old. He may just want a, a change of pace, whatever. But, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, I haven't really said this publicly. I will say it publicly now that I believe, and I'm not necessarily pointing at BYU, that there were teams that reached out to him and tampered with him because they knew the situation that, you know, hey, we got a guy that, you know, we can – maybe see if we can manipulate him a little bit and he would be pretty darn good in a program. He, I mean, when, when his name started surfing, servicing, everybody said he was the number one uh, transfer uh, portal candidate. That's a big deal. And the Purdue fans that are, are, I keep saying this, this is a big deal. The Purdue fans that are glossing over this, that this guy's not that good because he was a backup are missing the whole point like of what he was to the program. The fact that he, he single-handedly, I mean, not single-handedly, but he beat IU. IU fans hate him. Whenever you ask you ask IU fans, what do you think about harm transferring? They're glad he's gone. That to me is a reason enough mm-hmm. that you should have said, "I wish he would have stayed." Yeah. On top of that, his personality was excellent. Everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. He was fun. He was entertaining. Seems like his teammates loved him. Yeah. Seems like yeah. Main. Most of them. I mean, there, there's that one story that I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get into. Um, but yeah, it seems like he was he was liked by a lot of people. Uh, he was liked by people on campus. He was a Purdue guy. He had that dog thing, which was fun and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, a community service oriented type of guy. The, the, this is this is all positive stuff, and it's tough to lose a guy like that. What about? It, I mean, you made a point. I thought, um, well, not about him at the time, but we were talking about. I can't remember now if it was on our podcast. It might have been just in one of our chats about we were kind of reminiscing about the last year's elite eight run and the teams that they beat and, you know, beating Tennessee as good as Tennessee was almost beating Virginia, the national champs. Right. we kind of had said, you don't even overlook Villanova because they beat the defending champs. And you made a point that every time I think it was Nova, right. They would come out on, on Carson. Yeah. And, he would just dump it down to Harms and Harms. And it, just... it, it looked so easy, but it's really not that easy. And this no. is the thing about Harms is that he's so good at being mobile. For a guy his size, he, res- he he draws respect. And then when Carson would force teams to say, okay, you better get out to 30 feet. Mm-hmm. And Harms <laughs> would make him pay because they'd throw it up high. 7-3 plus probably 7-5, seven, 7-6 seven, wingspan, right? Throw it up high. His big mitt's going to get it. And he's going to turn and take one step and be at the hoop. He had he had good hands for a for a big guy too, didn't he? I never I never I mean I know he got bullied a little his, bit. His, his knock was you know it's like all of us. I always say our strength is our weakness. Soft hands, probably not the best finisher because of the way he played with finesse, right? Mm-hmm. And that annoyed a lot of Purdue fans that he didn't just flush or finish hard this year. I think that was tough to watch at times, right? That but, you, you'd see but don't them. we think he was? Weren't you convinced all year that he's had a nagging hip injury? Yes. I I, I think I mean, after the hip injury happened, he was injured. So 
I'm okay. Like I said, and I, I said this on Twitter and people, some people, a guy from Kentucky, of course, was annoyed by it. I don't really care. If you don't understand why I wouldn't root for his success at Kentucky, then you don't understand what I think about college basketball. I think it's, there's so much crap that's going on. I think Kentucky is the poster child for crap. And they have had, they have a coach that has been caught, what, two or three times. He's a win. You know, and so I don't. I didn't want him to go to that place. I I can root for him full heartedly at BYU to succeed and BYU do well and Purdue to knock them out of the tournament. There it is. Gosh, that'd be so fun. That would be so fun. I'd like Uh, him. Here's what I'd like: BYU to be a lowish seed, twelve seed, something like that. Yeah. Beat Kentucky. Yes. And lose to Purdue. But but Harms, but Harms has forty in the loss to Purdue. (laughs) That'd be fun, right? That'd be perfect. Gosh, darn it. Be like. Well, but no, up that draft stock, man. Get 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 paid. I'm I mean, a, I'm a Matt Harms fan. I said that. I I, I will stick by that. I know you will. Yes. What's not to like? What is not to like about Matt Harms? I drew a comparison. I said to you guys. I said he. There's a there's for me. There's a comparison to Elijah Sindelar, a guy who who was committed to the program, did great things for the program, took them further than they were maybe expected to in the in his best year. Right, yeah. Sindelar winning that bowl game in a year where Purdue was not expected yeah. to be very good. And and harm's the same thing. Elite eight after losing all those seniors, like truly model citizens in both cases. Yeah, and we what? didn't know which way the Sindelar thing was going to pan out. It panned out in a way that I did not expect. Right. For him to go, say, you know what, I'm going to go start my career as an engineer. It's an incredible decision. And for harm's to make the unusual, incredible decision to go to BYU. So shows that he is a different cat. Yep. It really does. I can tell you in my personal experience, if someone like, okay, so I'm a, I'm a footwear designer. If Nike came to me and offered me a director role in Provo, I, yeah, I'm not going to Provo, right? I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the shiny Apple, right? That, that, that yeah. good for, good for Matt. Sounds hey, like man. he found the right fit. He's doing what's right for him. Yep. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> We can always we can always break our own rules and go back to things, but let's jump to another topic. Let's, let's keep it. it. Let's keep it going, man. Let's keep it fresh. Um, Purdue football got a transfer from UCLA, um, and I mean I think it's understandable because you know from a Austin Burton, you know he's he's only human. He's a young man. I, I mean the girls in Indiana are a lot prettier than the girls in LA. I don't easy, I don't easy decision. I mean, but hopefully it was a football decision and um, and. I think that it doesn't surprise me when guys look at the Brom brothers and Purdue's history with quarterbacks. Let's not forget that. Like even when the Broms weren't here, Purdue had a, a really good history with quarterbacks, right? right? And Drew Brees is still an ambassador in the sense of like I'm sure he call not calls these guys to recruit him, but I'm sure I know he talks to these guys as soon as they become Purdue QBs. I know he's regularly in contact and was with Blau and 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 I believe Marv and, and a lot of these guys. He's he's. He, he makes himself available. That kind of stuff really helps. And so I don't think it should be a surprise at all that a guy wants to come into a competitive situation. I wonder what was said to him. Maybe it was, hey, the quarterback competition's open. And I'm sure there's no promises made. I, I Here's what I believe. I, I, think, um, I think Jeff Brom can sell the idea that if you're good enough, you're going to see the field. I think he can sell that because he's got the record up. Proven right? it. Absolutely. He's proven it. And so if Burton expressed interest and – you know, I, I really don't know how this happens. I really don't understand how the how the transfer stuff, the communication works. But um, eventually, they had a conversation after he made it official that he was he was going to be transferring, and Brom probably said, "Listen, the guy who started the majority of the season got hurt last year. He's still coming back on the mend. We have another guy who put up big yardage, but we don't have a starter yet. 
and you will get a chance to try out for the job. We will give you a look, and you know this offense. This offense is dynamic. It features the quarterback. It features a quarterback who can do multiple things. I think the the, the thing you could you can look at his his completion percentage. It's sixty eight point eight percent. That's awesome, right? If that you just <laughs> that's awesome. But but here's the deal: forty four for sixty four in six games of action. Yeah, he didn't play lot. that much. It's didn't 10 play that a much. game. And I just looked up. He he did. St- I I don't I don't know much about the guy. Honestly, he did start at least one or two games, which I don't even understand. That makes it even more confusing to me, especially with an quote unquote offensive genius as your head coach. You'd think they'd feature him a bit more. Um, right. Only one touchdown, uh, no interceptions. I, it, here's the here's the thing. I think we all Purdue fans can agree on and should agree on. It is always good when a guy that is. Uh, well-respected, thinks Purdue is a viable option. Yes. Right? And so that, to me, is the biggest takeaway, right? You've got you've got a guy who a lot of people thought was respectable at minimum, good, you know, possibly, thinks Purdue is a place to go. Um, his The guy who recruited him, Jim Mora, loves him. He's, there was an article about him on CBS Sports, if you want to look it up. he, I mean, it was the, it was the top sports story three days ago. Really, mm-hmm. there was nothing mm-hmm. else going on. So that's a good thing for Purdue football to have that in people's minds. Um, the thing that – go ahead. give me. I, I want you to give me your thoughts because I've held the floor. But I want to hear what you think about, it, about the guy. I mean I, I, I don't have a whole lot different to say because I don't think we – to your point, I don't think we know a lot about him yet. I don't, I don't think – I think it's an unknown. I think it's exciting to get a guy who was a UCLA – I mean maybe it's, maybe it's me being impressed with shiny big names. Yeah. But, but I don't think it's ever a bad thing when a guy from a, a – another major conference program wants to come to yours. I think that's only good. I don't think Purdue's in a situation where, oh, this could rattle an incumbent quarterback. I think right. they all know it's an open competition. Yeah. I think that they, from what I've seen in the past, the quarterbacks at Purdue under Brom really support each other. Yeah. And and I think it's going to be a healthy competition. I think that there's also so much unknown because of the, the pandemic. I mean, it's, when does it's not a bad start, thing to have. Right? Not a bad thing to have multiple guys ready because you have no idea conditioning, injuries. Who is able to actually do things, right? Ready to do. Absolutely. So, I mean, right now you have Plummer, Burton, and AOC, all who have thrown college passes and played in games. Burton's probably the least experienced, honestly. Definitely not probably. He's definitely the least experienced. One touchdown pass. But, I mean, not bad to have a guy like that as your second or third stringer, At you know, in a worst-case scenario. If he's great and he wins the job, then you got Plummer or AOC as your backup. I mean, I don't see how there's anything bad that comes out of that unless it forces someone to decide to transfer. That's the only thing I can think of. So you've got a, you've got a five-man race, right? The way yep. that's the way you look at it. And really three real candidates. Uh, it's 11 o'clock here in uh, beautiful central Indiana, so the, the storm uh, tests are going to be I never got used to that when I lived out there. But. Yeah, it, it still freaks me out, especially if you're close to one of the sirens. But um, <laughs> so, And we're like a block from when there's a park nearby and there's a there's a, a horn there but um so you've got you've got three guys that have started games in college football and big and power five conferences mm-hmm. you've got uh uh Pulferi who was mm-hmm. was a highly a highly sought sought after recruit and then you've got a limo a lamo from new jersey all these guys are talented guys. You all have three star and higher ratings according to most of the uh, all the all the recruiting mags give these guys high ratings. Um so this will be fun. This will be spirited. This is a good thing. And like you said, I could totally see if one guy comes out of it, the third or fourth stringer, he he might be gone, depending on what he you know thinks about himself. Pilferi is a, is the most interesting one of the case, just because I, 
I still haven't heard that he's gotten his mechanics back, and that's a scary thing. Alamo, we heard some interesting uh, factoids about Alamo coming out of high school that he's a guy with a healthy ego. Well, good. Your quarterback should have a healthy ego. Mm-hmm. And he really – he believes he should and could start almost right away. My guess is that's a redshirt candidate. I believe that. <laughs> I, I would think. Why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you want to do that? Learn for a year or two. But if you believe that, you know, it doesn't matter. So so it's going to be a fun um, – it's going to be a fun discussion. Uh when will when will the weight room be available at Purdue? Right, that that question is an interesting one for me. Um, Every team's dealing with that. Every yeah. team is dealing with, and you got a lot of players who don't have home weight rooms. Yes. I, I, there was something that ESPN, uh, I think ESPN used Twitter feed put out today or yesterday a video about you know coaches saying, you know, no, not much we can do. We tell guys, hey, if you got weights at home, and I think James Franklin, I think it might have been him. He said, he said, I had one player tell me, I got a dumbbell coach. Not two. I got a dumbbell. Ah, dumbbell. So he's like, they're they're all saying they're showing guys lifting like Home Depot buckets full of stuff, pushing cars, pushing their mom's car yeah. up the street. Like that's not for show, guys. I think that's for real. I think these guys need to work out. And if and most of them come from a background where they don't have a home gym, they're not wealthy like the Dowd family. Like they they <laughs> they, they they don't have you know they they. They had they rely on the weight room with the school they go to. That's why they care about facilities, right? It's an interesting thing. You have kids from one side of the economic spectrum that don't have anything, and then you have kids whose dads literally have moved their entire family so their sons could be featured at a right. certain football program, and they've they've put in facilities where their kid can have his own personal gym, and their trainer can come and work on throwing mechanics. You have the whole thing, the whole gamut. I watched that show QB One on Netflix, and I was just struck by the amount of money two of those kids' families had. I, I was like, mercy, where did the, are these guys independently wealthy? What, what the heck, right? I mean, and so it's, it's people that spend, <clears throat> that spend every dollar on their kids' development. There are people out there that are selfless. It, it completely, and, all it did was make me sad. I'll be honest. And, yeah. um, if you're, if you've got some money and you want your kid to do well and you're investing in him, that's good. But if you come to this like weird sickness where he pretty much has a team of handlers and all that. Right. I'm like, I agree. This is gross, man. You I think if you want to, yeah, if you want to build your kid a batting cage because he's really good at baseball, good for you. Cool. Like, go yeah, for it. Yeah. As long as it's, I mean, this is the thing we've talked about. As long as your kid is doing it voluntarily, as long as they're into it, then I will do anything he wants to support him. Right. But, right. but if it's me pushing him to do it, and he's like, oh, I mean, I guess I'll do it. That's that's the saddest. And we see it all the time. We see yeah. guys. We've talked about guys in the Purdue football program or basketball program, especially that maybe weren't. You know, I don't even want to go into names, but there were guys who clearly were just good at basketball, but it maybe wasn't something they were passionate about. Right, right. So they kept doing it because it was something they should do. And people told them for years, you got to do this. You're seven feet tall. Okay, I'll do it. But like, (laughs) you can't assume that everybody's into the same things you're into. Think about a number of people who are at our point in life who have no interest in college sports. No interest in in, in college basketball. No interest in, in, you don't like baseball that. Well, you do like baseball, but not in a, not the way that. It doesn't entertain me like football and basketball. Do right, it? right. So like, but that's okay because yep. other people do like it. And, yeah. And, and so to imagine if you felt the way you did about baseball, but you were really, really good at it. Now you're a competitive person, so maybe yeah. you would want to do it, but you still would not feel the edification. That's You'd the be still wishing, I, I wish I was this good at basketball. Yeah. I thought I'd play D2 baseball. Like, no, all kidding aside, at one point when I was – Eighth, ninth grade, I was really good. Like I was an all-star type of guy. And then um, I got into high school, played freshman ball, played JV ball at uh, the high school I went to. The if you weren't going to make varsity as a junior, they they cut you. Yeah. And I got cut. Okay, yeah. that summer I played on a composite team 
for Lawrence Central and no- Lawrence North. I was the only kid not in those two schools. I led off the entire season, played center field, and I had a very good season. Very good season. My best season. I was in the paper at a couple of these tournaments, and I was thinking maybe there's a way that I can get back in to the game because I just like to play, right? I still didn't like to watch it then. But I, I, that's the thing. I'm all, I, I think you and I are similar in that. Man, I'd love to. I, I always like to play sports. I, I just right. watching them sometimes. You like softball. There. I, I still like, like softball. Sport. Yeah, it's just sad. I get made fun of for liking softball because it's such an old man sport. But even my back won't even let me do that now. So uh, yeah, uh, but time yeah, is so, undefeated. So you, so you think uh, that who is going? Let's let me just give you. I'll give you one question. Okay. Who is your starter if the season starts uh, beginning of September? Who's your starter? Plumber. Okay. Right. I don't. I, don't I, I right now I can't imagine how it's. I think AOC. Has the he clearly has yeah. earned some love from everybody, and that dude prepares clearly. He he he's smart. I mean, we talk about smart decisions, and that gets thrown around a lot. But if you're a guy who was a D three, and then you were a walk on, and you still, I mean, I don't want to say he played flawlessly, but he made a lot of. He did not put through in trouble nope. very often at all, and he led drives, man. He led drives to come back and win games. That like, skill right there may be the best thing that he's got in his back pocket. His ability to manage that that final drive. I mean, double. twice, right? Twice yes. led to victory. Yes. That's awesome. And, and, and there are, and, are and, really good quarterbacks that aren't good at that, right? In effect, almost, again, very close to one more completion and they beat IU. Right. There was one dropped that would have put them in field goal range at the end of regulation, and Purdue holds onto the bucket in an awful season, which I still... Fine. You know, I think we all came to grips with that loss because fine, IU. You took the most beat up Purdue team ever and you barely in overtime squeaked out a win. Great for you, Tom Allen. I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad it does something for your program. Maybe it makes you guys think that you're on the same level with Purdue. I can assure you that you're not. Right. I can assure you you're not on Jeff Brom's level. Right. But right. but hey, you know, I, that's I'm excited. It's a, ex- Newbert talked about this the other day. This is a pivotal season for Purdue's football team. And this is like it really very important. It's very important from a fan's perspective. It's very important from a uh, kind of a momentum perspective where the uh, are these recruits actually starting to pay dividends because they've you know you're in you're in three years of his of his recruits, you know, full recruits. So Rondell, Bell, Karloftis, the Brom brothers uh-huh. and pandemic time. I mean, I mean, it couldn't be more of a Purdue story, not to be right. selfish, but Man, that that would be the ultimate. Like, oh man, it's coming into it's falling into place for Purdue, and no season, and scene, <laughs> and <Yeah>. scene. <laughs> yeah, we'll just wonder what might have been. Right, uh, but we're not there yet. I think you know, you know, and I were talking. I, I think uh, on the on the Instagram live we were talking about how you know we've been in we've been in shutdown now for about five weeks, five six weeks. If you if you say another eight weeks, so longer than we already have been, you're only at mid to late June. Okay, and I think that's where you need to have some some idea of what's happening because you need two months. You need July and August to get ready. You need them back in the weight room. You need them back field. You can't just say on September first, okay, we can start. Right, right? it's not it doesn't work that way. Um, and you can't start doing all those prep things unless it's safe enough to do so. So, you know, you got about I'd say you got about two months to wrestle with this. Everyone, like yeah. I think everybody has. About two months to stress and, and say, and it's going to make it, if it doesn't happen, I was saying to you, it's going to make it worse, I think, than the NCAA tournament cancellation because that happened so fast in a Band-Aid ripped off way before you even could realize, wait, today would have been the national title game. It was gone. It was gone. Yeah. 
And yeah. we didn't know, we knew even less, right, about what was happening. If, if this happens, you'll have had months hoping for it yeah. to have it taken away. Yeah. And let me also say this, just to continue on the downer trend. If a season is played in empty stadiums, I know there are a lot of people thinking, you know what? I would be okay with that because I have something to watch. I watch from my couch anyway. I get that thinking. But if you've ever watched a game in any, at any level in an empty stadium or arena, it is flipping weird and, and there's no energy and it affects mm-hmm. the players. And, right. and, and it will be a stark reminder of what we're dealing with. It won't right. be a, oh, we're back to normal. It'll be, man, this sucks. The, thing, like, the really interesting thing, um, my brother and I discussed this, and he thinks that if if that is one of the options, playing a season to empty stands, he thinks that this is nothing but advantageous for Purdue because the advantages of places like, you know, Wisconsin and, and uh, you know, big venues. I thought you were with... going to make a joke about all the empty years at North City. <laughs> No, no. I mean, because nobody cause comes into Rossi. No, nobody comes into Rossi. <laughs> Literally, this year, nobody comes yeah, into Rossi. Yeah, man, that so, joke's gonna uh, hurt so badly in September. But I mean, we've seen we've seen that Rossi can be advantageous, but generally speaking, it's not. No. it's not that type of place, right? And so, losing home field at Rossi, while I would it would rip my heart out because you know I'm a season ticket holder. Other teams losing home field. Purdue getting to go to Nebraska with nobody in the stands. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's a big one. That that's the obviously Wisconsin's at home this year because that the first ones I thought of were like Ohio State, Penn State, Nebraska, you know, Wisconsin, the hundred thousand seat places. Um, but that Nebraska one, that is that's a big shot for them because think about it, that's it. Football is college football is their story in Lincoln. That's what you do. It's hard, it's hard to get to five and seven without your fans behind you. It is really difficult to get to those lofty heights. Did you see, I put it on the Twitter last night, but um, Trey Wingo during the draft that everyone's watching because there's nothing else to watch right after the first pick. So everyone's eyes are on it. He, and he repeats the story about how Joe Burrow wanted to go to Nebraska and Scott Frost said, well, is he better than what we have here? And so they didn't get him. He repeated that story. And I said, I just, he just dunked on Scott Frost and I can't hear that story enough. I would listen to that story every day, right? Every day. Just to start my day, like a bowl of cereal. Like, oh, that's how I brush my teeth. I I feel so good. It makes me warm all over. That doofus said that. And and it's not like a lot of other teams didn't. Sure. sure, I'm sure a lot of teams would have said, I don't even know who this guy is. He didn't do anything at Ohio State. But man, it's so fun that it happened to Frost. And that's the one that's publicized. Oh, that's so great. Um, do you want to uh, see what a few people have had to say to us? I'd love um, that. I'd love that. So uh, one thing I want to make sure we do here, because yeah. it's very important. Hold on. Let me scroll. Let me find it and give it the appropriate attention uh, that it deserves. I've, I lost it. I just had it in front of me. Jeez. There we go. Joel Schwartz uh, writes to us. His son, Micah, is turning seven today, Friday. the day. One age. I'm not sure if we'll be putting this out on his birthday, but if we're not, Micah, Happy birthday. He's a developing diehard Boilermaker, Joel says, and he says, can you get a shout out from the most handsome Purdue podcast for his seventh birthday tomorrow? So we'll check in with the more handsome Purdue podcasts and ask. Oh, no, you meant us. Yeah. 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 So Micah is turning seven. He's a developing diehard Boilermaker. Now, Joel, we've said this to other people. This is your chance right now. Seven (laughs) is you can you can diverge. You can you can say, you know what, son? This is a tough road ahead. This is a tough road ahead. Now, if he's tough. And he probably is because you know, Boilermaker dad. He's a Boilermaker, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not much you can do. That's the other thing. Once it gets into your veins, man, it's tough. It's to... there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Micah, listen to this, okay? Um, I am a born and raised 
Boilermaker. Jay, across the mic from me, is a guy who who chose to be a Boilermaker as a young adult. Both of us share similar, if not the exact same passion, but I think we have something in common, Jay and I, and that is, like, we, we, we kid about it, but there's there's some things that define Purdue fans, you know? And one of those things is you're like a grinder. You're a fighter. You're okay with not being the same as other people. You don't follow the crowd. The it, When I grew up in Indiana... It was Notre Dame football and IU basketball. It's still pretty much the same, but back then that was when both teams were really good. And I was okay with being different than the rest of the people. It's going to be different for you. You're not going to be with the majority most of the time. So if you're good with that, being your own man and kind of fighting your way out of a corner, you're a Boilermaker already, man, even if you don't know it. But we're glad you're, uh, you love Purdue, and uh, maybe we'll get to see you in the fall in, in Ross-Aid. And uh, if not this fall, uh, let's, let's try to connect. It'd be great to talk to you, Micah. Yeah, man. Happy birthday. Seven. Seven's, you know, and the other thing is, you talk about being a grinder and being tough. Turning seven, having a birthday, being a young person during this world that you're in right now, I know it probably is a drag sometimes, but man, it's going to make you smarter and tougher and have more perspective on what's important and enjoy your birthdays going forward. Like, you, you're going to remember this one. And and I'm telling you, man, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You're going to value everything, your family. It's going to be awesome. It's it's going to be a good thing, and you can turn anything into a good thing if you need it, if you need to. That's one so. thing, Jay. Um, this is kind of a sidebar, a very personal sidebar that Jay and I, um, we're both very fond of our families. And I, it may sound silly to say that, but there are some people that they struggle to be around their family. I got to tell you, that's one of the be- the best takeaway really maybe the only positive takeaway for me during the last five weeks has been this time with my kids and wife that every night we eat dinner together and we don't have right. anything pulling us on you know we're not we don't have any games exactly. we don't have anything else and I, and I miss them I miss sports with my kids I miss having activities um, but it's been pretty great you know being able to to uh, the, the pace of life is different I, I will definitely say that so yeah there's there's my silver lining in this whole thing yeah it's, Absolutely. Getting more projects done around the house, man. That's, yeah. that's kind of what's happening for me. Um, so let's uh, go to uh, Ben Carney. You Carnegie. probably get to see part of the w- one side of the house you never go to, right? The West Wing. You never even go, get over there. That's not where you live. It's the it's the staff quarter. So play, you probably got to get to staff the TLC. Right, okay. exactly. It's, it's where... No um, staff right now. It's where the tours are usually given. That's right. Right. Um, so Ben Carnahan asks, uh, he gave us an either or, um, and I'll be interested to hear your answer. Um, you can go first or I can go first, but let's just hear it first. Quarantine for two years in your house and Purdue wins a title in either college football or college basketball or life continues on as normal as possible. You want to go or you want me to go? You go first. I would say, and this is not me trying to be altruistic, I think life, if you could snap your fingers and put life back to quote unquote normal tomorrow, but with the learnings we've had, Right. right? then I would say do that, and I will absolutely sacrifice Purdue winning a title in either sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I This is tough on everybody. I'm very fortunate that it's not affected me more than just an inconvenience at, to this point. Right. Um, a lot of people are not, and, and there's no way I would ever value a winning a title. I mean, if you said to me, quarantine in your house, and no one dies, you just all have to stay home, and there's nothing but Purdue wins the title. Maybe then I'll think about it. Right. Right. If you're saying there's no illness, like you're just, sacrificing your convenience for other people's I have well-being. To, yeah. I have to stay in my house for the next two years, but everyone's healthy and everything's fine. Now that's a different challenge. That yeah. I would consider. Yeah. Because 
you know, as you said, I've got such an estate. I can really, it doesn't feel like staying home. Yeah, I you can, guys have seen the, the, the celebrities putting out their PSAs. Same thing. Right. Hey, I take everybody, a stay put. I'm just going to be here in my home gym, in my pool, in my, shut up. I feel bad for, man, the thing that people are not, you and I and others are probably not thinking enough about is the people who live in, in studio apartments in New York City. Oh, my God. You can't, you can't even, I saw someone say you get in a fight with your roommate or your spouse. You can't even go to another room in some of these places. Like, it's my bad. Cousin, my cousin lived in NYC. Uh, she still does. Um, but at one point, she lived in a studio apartment with four with three other girls <laughs> because they didn't have any money. They'd all just right. gone out of college. It's not and unusual, like, man. Holy moly, those that scenario exists right now yes. in New York City. Can you imagine? Oh, I mean, you talk about how the last six weeks has felt like a year for that kind of situation. It's got to feel like five years. How everything annoys you when you have a roommate, right? Somebody doesn't clean the dishes. Somebody doesn't put their dirty clothes away. I'm married to one. Oh, right. No, <laughs> no, but I am too. Like that's the thing. Little things annoy you. So for me. The, the first apartment my wife and I had, we shared a bathroom, shared a sink. shared We shared toothpaste. We didn't know any better. Double sinks are <clears> the are best the marriage saver. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's crazy. I how had much a friend who just he just put in a master suite in the upstairs of his house. He finished the upstairs, and I went over to see it, and I love everything. The walk-in closet with a window. I mean, it's awesome. And then I go into his bathroom, and they got one big sink. I said, what are you doing here? And he's like, Ah, well, you know, it's, we don't get up at the same time usually. It doesn't. I'm like, oh, you're crazy. You're, you're crazy. Nuts. It's like one of those things where even if you don't think you need it, the next owner in your house is going to want it. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. It is. But yeah, I, 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 uh, I can't imagine living in a situation like that. I, it's hard enough to be. There are days, right? Where you, your wife, and you know, you, you need to get away from her, and it's like, man, it's tough. There's nowhere to go. And you think about that, like, there's nowhere to. You can take a drive and just come right back. But so I'm generally most the more antagonistic of the two of me and my wife. But a week ago, she really got after me, and she, she was she was being the aggressor, and I was like, "Please get out of my face, or I'm gonna, I'm either gonna jump out of the window or throw you out of the window or something." I was like so mad, and because she was doing the the thing when you have a, a spouse you trust and you know well and you love, they know everything about you and they know how to get you. Right. She was she was going after me, and I was like, "Oh boy." Oh. mostly good deal though, most of the time. So sorry, I was muted there, trying to trying to talk to you. Yeah. Um. So we got a question for Chris Harder, regular friend of ours. Yep. He says well, he's, uh, he's he, I, I believe Chris is the one who lives not very far from me at all. We need to get yes. together, Hannah. Good dude, good dude. CJ Poppin. He says, rub or sauce when smoking meat? I'm assuming he means to the meat. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, I like a rub. I do too, but I'll tell you, I think we do, we do a marinade more often. Mm -hmm. My wife is really good at con concocting, concocting a... I'll always be like, what is this? And she's like, I don't know, just, you know, the Worcestershire sauce and this and that and all this crap. And she just puts it in a Ziploc and puts it in the fridge for the day. Magic. Magic. Right? And then you cook it up and it's delicious. And it's a bunch of things I would never want. If you said, oh, do you want this? No, I don't. That sounds, but then you cook it in it. And oh, it's wonderful. Speaking of grilling. And we just were. Yeah. My grill has the Purdue logo on it. Did you know that? It's got a motion P, two motion P's actually. It's, I got to tell you. So, so I post, posted a picture and you've posted pictures and video oh, on like our Twitter. And I've literally had burgers? people that I didn't even know follow uh, us on Twitter. 
like a friend of mine who has no affiliation with Purdue, but he followed me on Twitter. He's like, do you have a Purdue grill? I said, I've got a Purdue grate. And it's awesome. And it's fantastic. And you can have one too. Talk to our friend, uh, plantersandfire. Plantersandfire.com. Plantersandfire.com. Planters Gosh, I struggle with that. And he's Lafayette Laser on uh, on the Twitter machine. Uh, good dude. He's a he, good guy. He's a Purdue guy. He, I don't know if it's like you, but I see when people can make stuff like that. Yeah. And when, he, when he just goes, hey, what do you think of this? And he creates yeah. it. Oh, and, it's, and I'm like, wait a minute. That to me, it's like someone who can play the piano. It's just magic. You can yeah. do something that I couldn't do if you yeah. gave me ten years. Yeah, that's the thing. If I gave, you, I said to you, "Hey Jay, I'm going to come back in 365 days. I want you to make a replica of this grill grate." Nope. There's no way. You Unlimited can budget, and I couldn't do it. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. And I know he'll he'll do he'll say, "Oh well, no, I have a, you know, I have a computer program. It does a lot of it now." My wife made one of those comments. She's like, "Well, I think a lot of it." I'm like, "Look, don't you dare try to minimize what he just created. He made that out of steel in like an hour." Right. And it's I don't this care is the thing. So so we have three very good well, here's the here's the thing. We haven't gotten a nickel from no. from Lafayette Laser. Um the the stuff <clears> is amazing. <throat> the 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 product is incredible. Um but we've got we've got we've got good people that we're surrounded by that we've got two sponsors that that um they they pay us immense amounts of money, but somehow it all goes in Jay's checking account. <laughs> Of course, eataj's.com. If you're near La- if you're near campus, you can get the food. They'll bring it to you. You can go pick it up, whatever you want. Still the same quality this, of sitting. It's it's a great place to sit and watch a game and have have some some pub uh, uh, food. Support support your local eateries, man. Eataj's get 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 them some money. Though. A lot of those places aren't coming back, so help those guys out. Um, uh, and then of course our friends at uh, um, Martin Vintage. Yep. Vintage.com. I'm actually yeah. wearing my favorite Martin Vintage shirt right oh, now. Yeah. So um, I uh, ordered a, I ordered a new. I ordered the um, uh, which one was it? The Pete was it Pete by the Fountain? I can't remember now. I can't even remember because it's in my drawer. I should have it on right now. Right. But I ordered that one very recently because um, I needed a new one. I'm getting a little mm-hmm. fatter, and a lot yep. of my Martin Vintages yeah. are getting a little tight. So. Well, that's, that's the thing. Okay. They keep talking about flattening the curve, and my curves are just getting curvier. <laughs> I'm not well, understand. I mean that's. Nothing wrong with that. Um, oh, that people, yeah, they love it. They love the so, way it looks. Right. Let's see. Uh, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see some some questions that aren't complete downers because you know, I think we do need to answer at least one of these about the season. And we talked a little bit read about this. this. Read through this real quick, and I'll, I'm going to put a ph- philosophical thing out there. Sure. And I know Jay's realized this, but but what I have tried to do on the Twitter feed. Is I've been trying to stay as positive as I can, and it's really easy to go negative right now. Everybody feels negative, even if they're not saying. I was called a cheerleader um, four or five weeks ago, probably because I was wearing a cheerleading outfit. That could be part of it. I took the the video of me doing that. So, um, but I've I've tried to keep the Twitter feed as positive as I can keep it, just because there's so much negativity out there. And I I, I keep saying innovation, intelligence, forethought is going to win the day. I really believe that. Um, and when I get the opportunity to to retweet a story about a vaccine or a treatment or something positive happening, you know, it, I, I'm all for it. I want that story to be told and um, I want everybody to realize that there's still good things happening, even though we're in this weird season. Um, and on the Purdue side, I'll tell you what, it's still great to be a Boilermaker. I, I, I love 
reading up about, you know, our coaches doing the right things and, and saying the right things and being who they are. Um, we still have a great family around us. And, um, so if you, if you want Twitter to be more negative, there are plenty of places you can go. I mean, they're pretty much, I've been unfollowing people like crazy, honestly. Um, and you know, I love that, that tool. You like blocking and muting. Blocking, muting, unfollowing. I will, I will use all the, the weapons at my disposal. Um, but if it gets too negative, uh, I just say, okay, it's all right. And, and that doesn't, it's, it's not a death sentence either. That's the other mm-hmm. thing. You know, we can get back to normal one day, but if you're somebody who's been just in the bog of negativity, that's okay. And if your Twitter re- reflects that, I may have, I may have distanced myself from you during this period. Cause <laughs> I'm like, I don't need it any more than anybody else does. So, well, right. To be, to, there's no need to be, there's enough negative news out there. Yeah. So it's all negative, right? Yeah. Negative. So, so you know, there's enough out there that to be depressed about. And that's what I think is important is to try to, like you said, remain, I think it's a great tack to take, find things to be positive about. There are things out there in life to be positive about family, faith. Um, um, just, just if you're healthy, uh, be thankful for it. Yep. Um, uh, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of bleak stuff out there. So, so piling onto that is you do no good, find a way to do good, do something. I always look at things like, you know, you know, I, I hate to give Nike any credit, but I found myself saying to people and to my wife and other people when they're like, oh, I really wish I, you know, I'm like, just do it. That was right. their, you know, you right. know where that came from because someone probably kept saying it and they thought right. well, this is a slogan, but yep. it's true. Do something, do something in life. It, you have, you have, you know, limited opportunity to make an impact yep. in your life. I, I shouldn't say limited. You have a lot of opportunity, but you've only got one go around, right? So don't say, oh, someday I'm going to want to do something good or someday I'm going to like contribute or volunteer or do something like that. Just do it. Just do it because there aren't enough people doing things that are good. There are more people complaining because we've got so many more mediums for it. We've got yeah. Twitter. You could sit on your ass and complain, but like, why, why right. set yourself a little goal, do yeah. something, do something good for you. And the other thing is you, you said, I think you, you, you started saying we have limited uh, opportunities. And I, I think this one thing we should be reminded of is that you and I talk about it all the time. Uh, life is so fleeting. It, it just, it just is. And um, let's be, let's be very aware that this every day you wake up, it's a blessing. Um, and I'm, I'm going to tell you guys something about behind the scenes um, that nobody talk. Uh, Jay doesn't talk about all the time. Uh, Jay has a brother that, that lives in assisted living. He's got this, this tremendous staff of people around him and Jay's brother corrected, uh, contracted coronavirus two weeks ago. And I, I love Jay's stories of his brother because his brother is debilitated. He was, he was, uh, from from the time he was born, he's what two three years older than you. Is that right? He's four years older. Yeah, four years older than you. But Jay's never he's never known him as a healthy big brother. But he knows his personality nuance like you know your jerk older brother the same right. way. And he gave Jay shit even though he was <laughs> you know a, a a guy that was in a wheelchair. Yeah. And the stories that Jay has been giving me as his brother has gotten through coronavirus. Number one, he is healthy. It, Jay refuses to say all clear. And I think that's okay. But yeah. I will say that that in two weeks of treatment, he's yeah. he has come out on the other end and he's doing great. And literally, it's a huge answer to prayer. It's the best news that I have in my life right now. It's fantastic. And but Jay's stories of his brother kind of saying to people, with what are you guys making a big deal out of? Get the hell away from me. I don't need all this extra attention, right? I I'm fine. I'm fine. I have a little fever, right? This this idea of him saying, I just love the the mental picture you've given me of your brother <laughs> dealing with this stuff. Yeah. I think it's been great. Um, 
but but Jay has always been a big proponent of people supporting um, uh, organizations like where his brother lives. Can I say their name or is that, am I not? Sure. I, no, we've I've, I've solicited for for people to and, and many of our friends. M a t h e e n y. Correct. Um, what's is it? What's the full title, Matheny? Uh, Matheny. Well, it used to be it's Matheny School and Hospital. Yeah, I believe it is. It, they are fantastic there. They they are the best, and they've made. Uh, Jay's brother's life so good, so good. They, ca- I, I said to Jay, regardless of this, when he told me his brother was sick, and he really never showed that he was sick. That's the crazy thing. But when he when he heard that his brother had the virus, I said they have been caring for your brother in a way that life is enjoyable, and these people seem to really pour into to the people that are living at Matheny, and I just love this staff. And so it's. Um, it's it's a great story. It's a great blessing, um, and it's awesome that people like that are every day in harm's way. That that staff, they, they are they're putting themselves right in the line of fire, and um, and Jay's brother's life has been saved by their great care. Yes. And, and it's 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 miraculous. It without a doubt. I, it's without, I, I, without a doubt. I love it. I love I mean, it. If he was in a regular hospital, they wouldn't treat him the same way because they just don't understand people who are severely disabled. They look at them like they're already, you know, malfunctioning. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't. They they wouldn't overtly do it, but I've seen it myself. It's it's it's. They don't understand it, and and you know, if I can give a ventilator to somebody who's able-bodied, I'm going to do that. That's just kind of what they do. So I'm very. We're very fortunate. We we didn't think it was. We thought it was a pretty bad sign when he first had it and had a pretty high fever. uh, but he's been symptom free now for over a week. Um, next week will be two weeks. He'll be symptom free. So yeah, I mean, while no one's in the clear if they had it, in my opinion, until they're until they're like healthy, healthy, back up and around, and it's tough for him to be up and around to begin with. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it, it's about as good as news could possibly be regarding this. Absolutely. Right? Let's put it that Absolutely. way. So 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 this is one thing I've loved. I love the the some good news thing that Krasinski has been doing. Yes. And to me, this is my version of some good news. Like, and I would try to get as many updates as I could during the last two weeks from Jay without mm-hmm. pestering him. And oh, he no, did I... a very good job keeping me in the loop. Um, and um, yeah, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big believer in the power of prayer. I had tons of people that have never met uh, Jay or his family praying for him. I believe that prayer works, and I believe, yeah, and I believe. Um, that the the medical staff did their job too. I think I think we can believe in the in the in both co- coinciding in the scientific yeah. part and, yes. and the portion obviously. What a what a uh, what a tremendous blessing though for well, me. There's a, there's a... And that's all it's all about. How does it affect me? So yeah. tell your brother thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe me, there's going to be a lot of giving him shit when we are able to FaceTime with him again. Yes. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of like. So what's new, man? Anything happened over the last few weeks? You've been you've been good, I assume. You right, look you right. the same as the last time I was able to talk to you. Because yeah. that's the other thing we haven't been able to FaceTime, talk to him, nothing because you can't even. Only the nurses can get near him during this, and they don't have time to to sit there and goof around. They got to go from patient to patient. So that's the other thing. How Just many like you've heard in a lot of his facility had uh, the virus. What's that? How many? Did they have a final counter? The last time I heard was over a week ago, and they had I think. Um, 15 confirmed and like, you know, 20 something suspected out of like maybe 80 and something. Did you people. tell me nobody has died of it in the facility? No, they had, they had two people died, but two they people. were, they were, um, one at a DNR and was a lot, you know, it was, was, or so, yeah. you know, there a lot of comorbidities where, you know, uh, it wasn't just COVID. Um, but yeah, no, there's been some deaths. I mean, I, there's no, there's no assisted living place that's had this infiltrated that didn't have deaths, I don't think. Right. So, 
Um, it happens. I mean, it's it's and it happens in, a on a normal winter. It happens too. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the thing that the the people that are that uh, like you said are not strong enough to take those shots directly. It's really tough to get any virus, and yet let alone one that's so aggressive. Oh, yeah. When this thing's full full steam at you, it's it's monstrous. And um, man, it's it's so great that that these people are taking good care of them. Though it's great. Um, so I'm gonna do one more question, and then we're gonna we're gonna wrap because we're we're uh, gonna try. We're trying to stay tight. We're doing our best, and we're gonna. I think we're committed to come back and do another one next week because um, a lot of good questions have come in, and I don't want this to be a two-hour podcast. So, um, I'm gonna go to uh, kind of a combo here. Greg, our friend Greg, man, Greg uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, um, he asks, "How many games do you see the college football season lasting this year, and starting when?" And I will combine that with um, Blue Ridge Boiler saying, "Do you think students will go back to campus in any fashion by September?" If football's in jeopardy for 2020, how likely would basketball be in jeopardy even starting in January 21? Now, this is one where we probably need someone like a niche in terms of like how specific. Now, if it's still in jeopardy in the fall, what does that mean? That means that we're waiting for a vaccine, I think. And if we are, then yeah, basketball in January would be in jeopardy too. So that's, to me, there's a science answer there, right? If we've, if we've held off that long, then I think we're waiting. Then things have not gotten better to a point where we can put people back in in, in, in any fashion in right. stadiums or arena. Now, to Greg's question of how many games we see the college football season lasting, I think it's an all-or-nothing proposition. I'm curious what you think. Like, I don't think they're going to start it and then go, well, we played four games, better not. Better. I think they're only going to start if there's a feeling that we can play a season, right? If they can't okay. play a season, don't even do it. Yeah, so, so that I, I'm really waffling around on this because every day I'll read another athletic director or coach saying it doesn't look great to have a season. That that obviously is a bad thing to see. They say there are a lot of commission head, uh, um, commissioner, commissioners of conference that have said we're do, we're trying to see what we can do to make this happen. That's the way I want to hear. That's the way I want to hear leadership talking right now. Honestly, about everything. What can we do to make this happen? Yep. Um, because we, we are being cautious, but we can never take the risk out. You really can't. And this is the thing that you understand about viruses that mutate. There's never a risk-free environment. There really isn't. So my opinion, if I were going to bet right now, I would say that we're going to play a nine-game football season. Interesting. Yeah. So it won't start and stop. It'll just start later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will change the way for, for – um, how many wins you need for a bowl? They will throw that that three. out. I, <laughs> three wins. Yes, going bowling. It uh, might be, dude. It might be something crazy. You never be. know. It could be. We are in unprecedented times for for the college sports world, um, and uh, I don't know. I would. I, I, yeah. You told me there was talk about. I, I had not seen this about pushing college football out to the winter. Yes, playing it. Yes, the first four months or three months of twenty twenty one. Yes, that, there are people talking about. It. I think it's dumb. I hate it. I mean, so simultaneous with basketball, so you'd have a final four for both at the same think time. Think about the strain on the university staffs to to like market the product, to get things ready, to you know, if you have a basketball and fans? football. How many people are fans of both and have season tickets to both? How the hell do you go to football and basketball at the same time? I mean, I guess you could. You'd be on campus and you just go to both. There, right. There's an element of it that would be fun and unique and, and unusual and especially in the southern states be fine who the hell wants to go to ross a as you said in february uh, not i mean me. nobody wants to go in november let's be honest i look back like, i look back at like images of tailgates and and every game last year the people that that are in our block of seats we'd all get together and take a, a picture and like we were cold <laughs> a lot of the season last year yes 
I mean, it was Unless one of those you're... seasons that the weather was not great last fall. And so in the winter, <laughs> I would assume it's going to be blustery. You know, it's going to be uncomfortable. So Some of the coldest moments I remember in my life have been in stadiums like Ross Aid. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been to Giants games in December. Oh, man. East Rutherford, New Jersey. Whew, that is a beautiful locale. And, uh, man, it's windy. And what am I doing here? There's nothing breaking the wind in, in the Meadowlands. So <sighs> Moves through there. Gosh, uh, yeah. So I don't. I do think that's asinine. Um, so, so your answer to Greg is you think they play a nine game. If you had to be repressed right now, they play a nine game yeah. season starting a little late. It sounds like you're yep. thinking like yep. because you really could play into December. That's not super crazy because they really have all those weeks they don't use right now. Remember nine anyway, eleven? They did that. They they, they extended hey, the season hey. one week. So yeah, you could um, you could start. But I mean, you could even start October. If you're gonna play nine games, you could easily start October first. Yeah play all eight weeks of October, November, and then play the last championship games in the early December. Right. And you just play conference schedule, right? I think that, right. I think that is cool. So the, there's some point. really bad and interesting news coming out about the monetized games for the smaller schools, and they're really encouraging these schools to go and get the cash games because the athletic departments are in such trouble. Did you see Boise State, which is not, you know, for uh, a tiny – yeah, they furloughed their athlete, their football staff. That stuff, man, it just that's scary. That's a that's a that's a big time program in a small see, I think you're gonna see some programs drop, either drop sports or yep. drop out of the division that they're in, um, particularly at the lower divisions. Because you're gonna see some schools not come back at all. There's some there's a lot of stories out there saying there are some higher education institutions that are not gonna be able to come back. Which is which is amazing because it it but it shows the margin not enormous at some of these right. places. Right. Like if you're not Ohio State with the big incomes. If you don't have, that's the thing. The, the, there are Ohio State has a, obviously a, a, has deep coffers. Purdue has pretty deep coffers. They've done a good job with the um, the trustees. Have done a good job to try to prepare for a, the rainy day. But this is not a normal rainy day either. And so if you're not Ohio State, Purdue, Texas, Harvard, right, mm-hmm. and you don't have these coffers, it's it's real scary and. Um, you're, I wonder you you're the school where you got your masters mm-hmm. that's one that I thought of like because that's that's I would think they're a pretty small budget place and they uh-huh. have a, a respectable basketball program but you're like man it's it's gonna be hard if you just don't have the cash it's gonna be hard so I, so so that's your answer to, to Greg's question I think um, maybe this is a hedge it is a hedge but I, right now I feel 50 50 this is a season at all. Um, uh, I had not thought about it the way you are. I like that answer, actually. I could see them saying, like, we do think we'll be ready by October, so let's shorten the season. Or let's play a full season, but start it late and play it through the end of December. Who cares? Right. I mean, I could see that happening. Um, I, but but I guess I'll go with my, since we're, we're giving answers, I will say I think they're going to try to have a full season, and if they can't, they just won't have a season at all. Um, but 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 we don't know anything. It's all conjecture, as you like to say. Nobody knows anything right now. I think this I think is what I've learned. That's my big lesson, Jay. My big lesson during this whole thing is you that know nobody knows anything. Like I'm not kidding. Like so, there are people that are confident in their lack of knowing things, uh-huh. and then there are people that just look like the idiots they really are. Mm-hmm. But the leadership around us, and there are good leaders and there are bad leaders. There are leaders that are like, you know what? Hey, I understand. I'm going to be flexible enough to listen to all the data that's in front of me. I'm going to be flexible enough to change my mind and change the course of direction to protect people's lives. But there are a lot of people out there that are just leading, and they, like all of us, they have incomplete data. They're going on that incomplete data, and then they're making big decisions that you're like, wow, that decision was made too quickly. That decision was made too rashly. 
And I keep the thing that I keep laughing at is how all the rules and parameters have changed as we've gone along. What was expected of us as individuals? Because nobody really knows. They haven't had the ability to go and test how is this really transferring to people. You know, I mean, there's a, there's folklore around this virus as much as anything too right now. You know, how long it stays in the air, how long right. it stays on hard surfaces. The, the, I, I said to my son yesterday, I said, okay, we're in isolation. We are around each other every day. We don't go out. Why the hell are they telling me to wash my hands all the time? Maybe I should say I'm going to save the hand soap and never wash my hands. Go completely unhygienic. That's, a good, That's a good idea. That's always a good idea. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. I think cleaning yourself is overrated, but I mean, you—that's the way you've lived your life. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm a perfect example. You can go through with one bath a week as a as a. You made it to 44. I mean, no one expected you to get this far. No, to be honest here. No. The way you ate in college, no one thought you'd get oh, to 44. Gosh, it's so. If you right. ever, as an old that? man, if you ever yes. think about what you did to yourself, the way you ate, just ate. Not even saying if you drank or whatever, but mercy. The, Meals yeah. at 1, 2, 3 a.m. were a thing. It wasn't even if a big I deal. Eat, if I have a snack at 11 p.m., it hurts my, my – I feel it in the morning. It's Oh, it's so bad. It's so – yeah, but I used to order those Alfano stuffed breadsticks at like 1 in the morning. Eat like a <laughs> 5,000-calorie thing and then go to sleep and wake up and feel fantastic and play yeah. basketball. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I think we should wrap. We got more to do. If we did not get to your question – uh, we will not ignore it. We're going to keep that thread alive and ask people to add even more to it, and we will um, we will get to those next week. Um, they, some of them definitely deserve some some attention. So uh, again, special thanks to our sponsors, um, Eat AJ's or AJ's, I should say, Burgers and Beef, and their site is eatajs.com. Yep, yep. Martin Vintage, great T-shirts, Interboil at checkout, get twenty percent off, and help them out. They are also boilermakers um there are a lot of places out there that make cool shirts but aren't always boilermakers those guys are so um help them out because hey you need clothes to wear and what's better to wear during a shutdown like this than t-shirts yeah yeah so uh been fun uh we will be back again soon um in the words of boiler dad love you guys good night